PPG Denver is tomorrow at Nandasukan in Denver, Colorado. That's right. We are here. We've been covering it all along, and we didn't feel right if we didn't give you our best thoughts on the predicted metagame, how we would decide what we would be playing in the events, how we would approach building certain decks, and what we would do to even improve on certain things. In this video, you're going to see five deck lists covered that we expect to see in some fashion at the event, along with the ways that we would upgrade them, etc. Enjoy today's video. I'll catch you in the end. This is kind of what we're here. We're here to talk about this weekend and really kind of break down what it is. Now, if you guys have been following along, on Monday, did a whole meta report for last weekend, and there was a lot of information that came out from last weekend because of Pixelborn and because of the first 1K. Now, Scott, you, you can agree with me that at the end of the day, most competitive players work off of active information, right? Yep. So mm -hmm. the active information that was out there this week is that Ruby Amethyst Control is best deck in the game. Great. So as a player, from your standpoint, what is your line of thinking if you were the playing on Saturday? Make the best version of that deck. So you're so you're in the I want to make the best version of this deck. I want to be able to win the mirror. And that's probably like your your key focus. That's what I would be doing. Right. Because right, I right, like right. that that style of deck. But I understand that there's also the flip side as well. Right. So the flip the flip side is obviously find find the scissor to your paper or rock or paper rock to your rock, whichever rock. in the mm -hmm. format here. Um for me, I I, I would because of the version of the deck that is it's most successful and looking to be the most powerful i'm with you i think that i would be in the world of playing ruby amethyst and just building and planning for the mirror and then maybe just cutting my loss somewhere else in the, in the uh in the the rock paper scissors aspect of it but nonetheless we're gonna take a look at here i have um oh i forgot shout out to our boy pavel with pixelborn so this was the other big thing right the other big thing was the pixelborn stats came out which was basically just replicating a little bit more of the dominance and the sheer, you know, amount of games that people are even playing with Ruby Amethyst online, you know, in synchronization with the first 1K. So is there anything on this list in particular, Scott, that does uh, actually catch you off guard? Uh, no, not really. I mean, it seems fine to me. I mean, I, I don't... I don't know of a lot of Amethyst steel that's out there. So I'm surprised that would even come in as, as fifth, but I guess like something has to come in. I'm surprised there's even that much of that. Um, I, I mean, the one thing I will say is we are so early in the game's life cycle that while I don't know of a better way of doing it, just grouping things by the two inks that are in a deck is not really giving a full picture of how varied the decks could actually be. Oh yeah. Even within, the, even within those inks themselves. Um, so, I mean, I don't know that somebody's running like Amethyst Ruby Aggro, right. but um, they could. So, right. but and I would like you know, there's no distinction there as to what A versus B. But none of that surprises me. Um, I guess it kind of surprises me a little bit that it was the 18th to 25th as opposed to like after the fact um, of 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 any results. This well, is that actually, would be that. I mean, like technically it wouldn't have been a full calendar week yet, which is why we right. wouldn't have gotten right. more. 
Uh, I think he was just showcasing week one of the yeah. new season of Pixelborn, which yeah. again, for anyone that didn't catch that video earlier in the week, it's over a hundred thousand games played on the platform already. And I mean, it's more than that. Now I, I recorded that Monday or Sunday night or something like that. So it'd been five days now. So there's probably, I don't I haven't seen a recent number, but I, I'm sure it's 120, 130,000 games, which is yeah. insanity. Um, of course, shout out to Gilligamite again for the wonderful graph. Always well done. He, he's been doing a, a couple of these for different subjects. I do. I do enjoy them. Um, yeah, for me, covered it on Monday. I, I'm not really shocked by any of these things in particular, but let's move forward. And we're going to talk about, whoop, we, wait, we skipped, we skipped. So here is Luna's list. Now, Luna was one of the top four competitors from the 1K last weekend. She played a version of this deck, and then she went to Twitter and kind of said, okay, hey, here's my updated list, and in, even gave some tips on Twitter and things like that. Scott, I know this is a deck that you have been piloting a bunch and thinking about. I mean, literally, we, you know, realistically, we've, we've been playing Ruby Amethyst since, like, I don't know, June. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, there's more cards than involved now. But where do you where do you stand with this deck list? Uh, and is there anything in her particular list here that maybe stands out to you? Um, what stands out to me is the the broom aspect. Although I've heard, I've seen multiple videos now on like people that really like this whole broom recursion, get yourself down to a point in your deck where like you have so few cards left that like just start recurring things over and over again. I don't think that's realistic. Um, but what I like about this list is that um, it it just never it like never stops. Like it has threats at, at all levels, so it's not super dependent on like you know, flooding the board or, or anything. I really like the numbers on Pocket Watch, Shield, and Magic Mirror. Um, they, I think I, I think in my list, I have just one more Pocket Watch because I, I felt like it was that valuable. Is that good? Yeah. Um, I, like I said, I really like the top end. Um, I really like the the two Elsa, three Ursula, four Maleficent. Um, I really like that it only has three to be prepared. Um, the, I will say that's, that's exploitable a little bit with Cusco and things like that, but I do like that it's like that. I would probably switch the Be Prepared and the Dragonfires, um, but I do like that. I understand why she played Jetsam. Uh, I read the whole description of it, so I, I, I understand where that's coming from. I really like, I, I really, I, I really like the list. I, I am not a huge fan of the Broom package, but I understand why people like it. Um, so other than that, like, I, I think it's very, I think it's very solid to where it's at right now. So. Because we've we've I mean we talked this at at nauseum honestly, but the one drops in the deck, so the Archimedes. Do you feel that it's necessary to play the Archimedes? No. Okay, fair enough. I was just wanted to spitball that question. I'm no. just curious, just just so everyone understands that like everyone that's making these decks, right, and everyone that's presenting these decks, and this is the beauty of of deck building is that a simple question of do you need Archimedes is probably going to be come across so many different ways that it's like insanity uh whereas scott is like nope i don't need it i'm honestly the same way i played a lot of games with this deck i don't think you need it either but i understand the mindset of why players do think they need it so definitely respect to the decision and the understanding but at the same time i'm comfortable with not having that card also now what i, what I will ask you scott is 
this is a, a question that is always going to come up all the time. In your opening seven, what are you looking for? Friends. That's it, right? Like, I mean, there's other <laughs> things that we want, yeah. but we need a friend on the other side. If, if you know what your opponent is playing, the decision changes tremendously. Sure. But, like, I'm used to playing, like, on Pixelborn, where I don't know what my opponent's playing. So, usually, like, I would keep, um, like, a friend. I would, if I don't have a friend, I'm all getting all seven cards. But assuming yeah. I have a friends, I'm then I'm like, okay, do I have a Gaston? Do I have um, a Maleficent? Do I have Rafiki? So that way, if my opponent is playing aggro, I have answers. And that was, I, I absolutely hate losing to aggro in any game. So like, that was always important for me. Um, so that's where I'm usually at. Like, do I have drops? Do I have ink, et cetera? But like, it's, first of all, it's friends. Cause friends can't you out of any situation that you're, that you're in. Um, and then it just becomes, do I have answers to the low curve? And again, if you, if you knew what your opponent was playing, these decisions would, would obviously change, especially like in a, in a, a three game environment. That's why I right. prefer that to threes. Um, but assuming you don't know what your opponent's playing, that's, that's usually where I would go on with things. Fair. All right. So let's talk about a deck that we know from experience is quite successful. Uh, I pulled this from steadfast. He's another content creator. Check him out. He has really good videos, and all honesty, I very much enjoy them. Uh, this was his version. He called it the Lemon Line Aggro, which I also got a good chuckle at. Uh, so shout out to the name. But this is like pretty standard Emerald uh, Amber Aggro, right? Like I don't think there's anything in particular here that's like stand out to me, uh, except for maybe the Genie on the job is the uh, the one card that. I don't think is super hyper common in most of these lists, but aside from that, it's a pretty run of the mill deck, right? There's no Justin Times. There's only two Stitch Rock Stars. Oh, there's no Justin Times in this. You're right, touche. Um, and there's so what's weird to me is that there's no Justin Times, but there's still a ton of five drops. Right. So you're gonna run into a situation where you don't have enough ink, or you're gonna right. be inking a lot of these cards if you actually want to like. At that point, I mean, obviously it's more curve based. Like I get that, but like yeah. now, if you're not playing just in time, like there's, there's, there's just a chance that like you're you're, you have to ink too many like popular powerful cards. Right. Uh, don't get me wrong. Like it has very powerful drops all the way up till at this in this deck six. Yeah. But, like I don't know. I don't know that you're just gonna have. I just don't know that you're just gonna have enough ink because because like unless you. Unless your Rapunzel like draws you two cards, it's gonna be tough. Yeah, so I um I actually watched a fair amount of games this week, uh, more than I would usually watch on average, I'd say. And this the just in time package versus the stitch package has been, and I'm just gonna shout out uh Eric here because he was bringing it up. And it's been really interesting to me because I think the just in time package is absolutely better against control don't even think it's close sure however in the mirror the stitch rockstar package is supreme so I, I think it's a really really interesting meta call in all honesty of what you expect to see at your locals or at you know at, in ppg at whatever other event you know you might be coming up coming uh coming up to because it, it, it really might be a flavor of the week concept of like well this week just in time would be great because the entire meta might also again be Ruby Amethyst and like you want to be able to hit and get your cards moving and get everything moving forward. 
But it's also interesting to me that this deck, when you're playing in the mirrors, like you need to find uh, different leverages. And for me personally, the genie on the job is not in my version. I have Beast Wolfsbane instead. And I really enjoy Beast Wolfsbane in the mirror. And I think it's a very underrated card, which is also, again, why I don't think it's a $4 legendary. And if it's still a $4 legendary and you still don't have it, you should go and purchase them because they're going to be they're going to be better than $4. I promise you. Uh, and we have, not, we have none in stock. So that's not a, that's not us telling you to go buy it. Right. We have zero in stock. Like <laughs> you can't find them on our shop, but they're worth more than $4 in my humble opinion. Um, is there reason? Yes. So we, we can talk about this too. This deck, and honestly, more Amber decks that we're going to be covering in this, because there's three Amber decks on this list that we're covering. Hades is very important in the, in the control meta because your opponent, like your your whole game is pressure. Like your whole absolute whole game is pressure. So the moment that you lose a step and your opponent gets main, like is able to re remaintain the board and clear, you're in trouble. But Hades gets you out of it. I actually want four Hades in most of these decks. At the very least, I want three for what it's worth. At the very very least, I want three. I'm not saying we need four, but I think three is actually a really good number because you can immediately go, okay, fine, I'm on 15, I'm on 14, I'm on 16, whatever the number I got to in pressuring, now my next turn is Hades plus Lilo, or Hades plus, I mean, it, depending on where you are in resources, obviously, these are all debatable options, but it's Hades plus another card that gives you more lore, so all of a sudden, instead of just representing one lore or two lore, you're like, nope, I can represent three or four lore. That's why I really like Hades in this deck. Um... Honestly, my least favorite card in in these decks has been that Tinkerbell. Uh, really? Hmm. I don't. I just. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I feel so necessary to like. She's easily the most inkable card because all of my five drops are always so much better than her, and like that just to me, she's like the one, like always the one that I end up inking for whatever reason. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But nonetheless, this deck presses really, really well. Really, really well. Uh, the recovery with the. Um, Rapunzel is phenomenal. You have so many cards that pressure the game. Uh, Mad Hatter, Hans, Cusco. Uh, the ability to have Mother's Nose Best and things like that. And even in this like in this version, it has Citroxer as well. So there's so many like three lore dudes that it's like unbelievable in the end game. So this deck can very, very much pressure you to get you to a certain point. And then after you're at that certain point, your opponent's like, what do I do? Like, how do I get back in the game? And you're like, all right, you can do whatever you want to get back in the game. But for me, every single time, I'm just going to play a two lore character. Or I'm going to play a three lore character. And then like the Ruby Amethyst deck just has to have every answer under the sun to keep up with you. So yeah, that's fair. but yeah, let's get to the next one. Uh, so this is a shout out to a guy in the discord or, or girl, not sure actually. Uh, but Lido, we were talking about budget decks and this is what I was, we were, we were coming up with earlier and Lido was nice enough to share this uh, this deck. This is definitely a closer to a budget version of this deck, I would say. You can obviously put a little bit more money into it and make it a little bit better. But this is also that that whole full circle uh, conversation of if I could buy two red-green uh, starter decks, you could almost build this entire deck. Like, you would literally, you'd have to buy, like, the Cuscos, the Cheshire Cats, and the Flins. And I think you just have, and then you have to, like, pick up a, a goofy i think he's he's the one that's not in the deck he's not in the deck and you guys get two of those but yeah so tigger is I in the deck but goofy isn't gastan's not well he's sorry he's like he's like a quarter so 
Regardless, this is absolutely, I think, the closest to a real true budget that is a successful deck in the game. And it pressures all... Honestly, it pressures just about every deck because of the amount of bases that it has. And then the cards that don't have evasive just have, like, two Lord Plus on them. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, I just think, you know, when we're, we're trying to position ourselves in a metagame and you're trying to be, like, the difference maker or just, like, the standout, this is, like, one of those decks that I think will give, like, frustration to players, right? Yeah, sure. Is there anything in particular that you think this deck does well uh, aside from just, like, being evasive than, like, other options? Um, I mean, that's the main point. I mean, like, you basically shut off all your opponent's uh, rush characters. So Maui doesn't really hurt this deck, which is exactly where you want to be. Um, so you force them to have all the removal instead of, and, and make Maui kind of kind of worthless. And if they don't understand what you're playing, like, so you, if you, like, if I was playing this deck and I had the option, I would be inking a lot of the Emerald cards and not revealing, like, my strategy until it was too late. So, um, if that was the case and your opponent's like holding Maui until and inking more like just better cards. Right. Um, you just might leave them with an unplayable in their hand until it's too late. Yeah. I just think it, this deck is a really interesting, I mean, it, it's obviously, it just reminds me of like old school white blue flyers or something like that from magic, the gathering where you're just like, I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to pressure the game on each and every turn. Um, I have the occasional interaction with, dragon's fire uh i do like that this that this particular version is willing to go all the way to aladdin as well so it does like threaten some alternate lore gains like in the quote like aggressive mirrors even though this is yeah. probably sure. to, like a mid-rangey type deck but like card like aladdin definitely can cause issues in those like number races so i actually think this is a pretty solid deck that like if you didn't if you if you had to play an event this weekend and you didn't want to spend money on Rapunzel or like Maleficence or Elsa's and things like that, like I actually think that this deck is a pretty acceptable deck to show up to a tournament with and have a good chance of success. Yeah. All right. So now we have Amber Steel Midrange. After about honestly, like the last week of playing this, like in my free time, this deck is one of the most fun decks I've had to play. Uh, a couple months ago, we highlighted like an Ursula's Necklace deck and basically took out the necklace, took out the songs that like, or like the extra activities of things and just like build a better deck. Um, kind of back to that whole synergy versus power aspect. This deck's been a lot of fun. I know you haven't had a chance to play this deck in particular, Scott, but have you seen any uh, content covering this deck at all? Not Amber Steel. Well, some, I guess. Yeah, I've seen the song package a little bit, so not this version with, like, Captain Hook or, um, yeah, basically, or and not, like, the Big Maximus. That's interesting if he works out. So Yeah, so the, the, the one thing that, like, this deck, I could see doing this, uh, or this is another, like, whole argument of Rockstar versus Just In Time. Sure. Because... I think this deck in particular, as opposed to where the Emerald... In Emerald, I love Just in Time because your five drops are just all insane. Agreed. And you're just like... You should just almost always be doing it. This is the opposite where you actually like get better in the game through other means and through other success. So I don't mind the Rockstar package at all. And not to mention, he also just adds like another card that like you can Rapunzel and things like that. 
and you're definitely trying to get more out of Rapunzel. He can, but, sing, the, he can sing the songs too, which is huge. Right, right, right. Um, Lantern is basically trying to act as like a mini just in time because it's just helping you get out. Like, uh, if, if you can turn three Rockstar Stitch with this deck, this deck is almost unbeatable. I mean, it, it's insane how good it is. So, <laughs> but this is one of those decks that, like, I personally have not seen a lot of content around. This is a deck that uh, I think I built this like last Thursday. I sent it to uh, one of our teammates on friday he tried it on saturday he had just the same results as i did this is one of those decks that like i don't think anyone's really talking about i think it's a there's a high potential ceiling for this deck because it's very good in the aggro mirrors and it actually has a really good potential to threaten against the control decks as well explicitly in these hands where you can kind of like hit the lottery and play rockstar on turn three like what anytime you get that like this deck just high rolls unbelievably so uh definitely uh, a type of deck that I would be looking into. Where's Genie is super cheap. Just considering Cusco and money. Sure. Um, so yeah, I think there's another one that I would not be shocked if this weekend at PPG that there was a breakout version of Amber Steel. This just happens to be like what I've been playing recently. So the last one we're going to cover is a deck that this came up in the Pixelborn data. Now granted, we have no idea what that Pixelborn data actually was. But it was a deck that Scott and I had been talking about for a few weeks of like how we would build the combination and like particularly like what Amber represents in the game and how close it is into Amethyst. So again, if we go back to the video of this week for the meta report, like talking about how Amber and Amethyst are very close to like a 1A, 1B type concept. So Scott, walk me through this, uh, this concept here that we have. So this is the version I put together. Um, this is like an aerial song. It's more aggro control than I would call it pure control. Um, it's basically trying to substitute the, like you said, the. it's basically like a the other side of the coin of Ruby Amethyst, just using completely different colors, but a lot of the same concepts. So like aerial is like your Maleficent, Hades gives you some recursion, Rapunzel gives you more draw, and then you have like the top end removal packages in Let It Go is essentially your Dragonfire, but it's also a song, and it's also inkable. Maleficent is a huge um, body with three lore. Stitch Rockstar gives you additional card draw. Robin Hood allows you to deal with elusives. Hades is essentially the same thing as Maleficent. And then I just have a ton of one-ofs um, that basically you can get with Be Our Guest, get back with Hades, etc. So you keep getting them over and over again. So it acts like there's more than one of them in the deck. The It has ramp in Grandma Tawa and Mickey uh, Detective, but they're not there to like ramp you to like nine drops or anything like that. If they're there to essentially, like I look at ramp in this deck as essentially card draw. So you're basically saving yourself from having to ink a card at all. Um, like if you play Mickey on three, it's, it's, it's a lot similar to playing Maleficent Sorcerers on three you get an ink and that way next turn, you don't even have necessarily have to ink. I mean, there aren't a lot of, you know, if you have the four drops in your hand or you just want to play another three, you don't even have to ink. But if you want to get the five, you have that option. But at some point later in the game, his ability is going to save you from having to ink a card. So at some point it's really going, it's going to basically save you a card draw. And the same thing with Grandma Tala, like she's going to eventually going to essentially get banished and draw you a card. So it's going to save you an ink in the long run. And that's the way I look at it. Um, it. It's not necessarily about anything else. And then it, I have a, 
a pretty big aerial package to the point where I'm even playing part of our world um, with VR guests, part of our world and let it go. I mean, it was almost at the point when I was building this where, I mean, I wound up having to cut a bunch of cards, but I was actually considering like playing even like one Akuna Matata just to be able to like fish out an inkable card. Right. Right. So um, like if, if Sapphire had another song, I would probably be playing it over three party of worlds because it is uninkable. So, so it has one jump. Oh yeah, but that's uninkable too. So it does, right. that's not the situation. That's true. Right. Um, so the, the the one area that I need to really test is how good is part of your world. I'd pro I would consider honestly, like you you can take out even two of them and try Hakuna Matana if you want to. Never play the card, just ink it. Yeah, it's literally um, just my aerial draws me a card that I can ink. Right, but I think that's really powerful. So um, like you definitely want eleven or twelve songs. I don't know that I would necessarily just play them raw over other cards, but this is where I'm at. Um, I don't know how good the Moana is. It's only there for Rapunzel and Ariel and the Jasmine. Um, and I really like that Jasmine, so I wanted to try it. I don't know that three, I don't know that all the numbers are perfect, but this is where I was at uh, right now. Yeah, this is just one of those, when the Pixelborn stats came out, it was just comical because it was like, yeah, we were just talking about this concept, but again, no idea. Like for all I know, that number is for like item slingers. I I, I literally have no idea what the Amber Sapphire list it's true. from Pixelborn actually looks like. And if it's actually even good, I, I don't have any of those things. But when we started really considering like what would this do? Now, talk to me about the difference between uh the Amber healing or like the Amber Rapunzel VR guest Patrick uh package uh, versus like the amethyst where last week in the 1k we saw you know elsa and friends and things like that being successful in a version that's basically similar similar to this yeah i mean basically i mean rapunzel if you if she draws you even a card but i would hope two cards and puts a two lore body with five uh willpower on the board all at once i mean it, it's almost impossible to 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 mirror what that does on turn four so normally like you'd be singing with like Maleficent or something like that to draw you two cards and you'd have your four ink and you'd play some kind of threat. But Rapunzel is a threat herself that also usually draws you two cards and leaves a huge body on, on, on the field. And in my opinion, like decks like this, like you can easily swing your Mickey, for example, on three into their two, two that, that's exerted. And then Rapunzel comes in, you're like, Oh, why would you do that? Rapunzel comes in, draws you two cards, leaves a huge body on the table. Now you have two cards. You're probably going to get into removal. Like the Mickey drew already put an extra uh, ink in your inkwell. Like, like you just start like you just start to chain like really powerful things that you with with uh, with what you can do here. The one negative about this compared to that deck is obviously you don't you just don't have as much you don't have any board wipes because you know be prepared it's pretty much the only one. And uh, if you're you're not playing grab your sword or anything like that, so your pinpoint removal is very powerful, but your your board wipe like is not as good. So you basically need to maintain, like you need to, like you need to, you're in more of a race with some of the aggro decks than you are like just flat stopping them from, from doing what they're doing. Fair. If you enjoyed that little segment there, please hit that like button for me. If you haven't yet hit that subscribe button. So Scott last weekend and you know, through it all, we've seen the dominance of Ruby Amethyst in your honest in your honest perspective uh do you think that the aggro decks have a legitimate chance against ruby amethyst 
uh, the way they're currently built, yes. Fair enough. I mean, so I've seen other versions of Agro that aren't Emerald that I do think when they hit their curve, uh, particularly the Amber Amethyst list. So the Amber Amethyst list that has the Maleficence, that has the Lilos, that has the Just-In-Times, uh, you know, to hit their Maximuses or their Goopies, like they actually present this like really, really powerful aggro that if you're totally into it, if you're just like, you know what, I just want to either win or lose in 10 minutes. Sure. Uh, that is the deck that I think does give Ruby Amethyst a huge struggle. However, like any card game, it's definitely an opportunity cost because the moment you're relying on one health characters, well, then that's just going to make Steel say hello, how you doing? And I'm sorry yeah. that you were ever even here. Uh, but, you know, I think it's interesting. I think that I still think the, like, for me, the Emerald Amber can still pull out wins against Ruby Amethyst. Yeah. I think regardless of the 60 cards, you can definitely put yourself in a better position against Aggro, but the moment you do that, you might make yourself weaker in the mirror, uh, and that's just going to be a choice that you're going to have to decide with. But I think that anyone this weekend that's planning too much for the mirror will leave themselves vulnerable to Aggro, and I actually think that, in particular, it would be a good weekend to play Aggro. Uh, it's definitely something that, I mean, I would tell you this for any event whatsoever, but when you're going to an event and you know, like we know, we know for sure that the big, big band of the weekend is Ruby Amethyst. Huh? You should be playing games against Ruby Amethyst, like constantly. Like if you, you have, if you have a team, you know, your team should be getting together. You should be playing games. You should switch decks because in all honesty, I think that's where you learn the most in things. A, you learn how to play the deck that you want to play. B, you learn how to play against yourself. And when you start playing against yourself in quotation marks, you see lines differently. And it actually helps you make decision points in games that could be critical. Uh, I think that's something that Scott and I have done over the years very, very well, where we've always continuously flip-flopped, you know, play five games, one deck, play five games, another deck, and just be able to like truly have a conversation of where do I need to be at X point in this game? Because in all honesty, the aggro decks, you might not even want to waste your time. There might be points in games where like, if the game, you only have 50 minutes in a round, right? So 50 minutes in a round and Ruby Amethyst doesn't win quickly per se. I would say the average Ruby Amethyst game is probably like 18 minutes. That would be somewhere in that area. Sure. So like if you're, if you're about winning early and you fall behind early, it, you don't want to just give your opponent 10 minutes a clock. Like just get out of the game, like get out of the game, come back, and start going into, uh, you know, just getting a different mindset. Even the dice roll. The dice roll could play a huge dividend. Maybe you need to give yourself the better opportunity on the play, etc. But I just wouldn't be wasting time in a 50-minute round explicitly, like, in the second week or third week of the game being released. And you're probably still going to see a bunch of players that are not hyper-familiar with uh, the rules and everything like that. So I would be prepared, haha, <laughs> on quotation marks, uh, for that matchup uh at at nauseam um is there anything else that you would you know truly consider planning for this weekend i i just i think that the event is still just going to be dominated by people that don't own cards so i so would just be be aware that you that. have to be buried basically so so is that a good or, good or a bad thing let's start with that 
I mean, it's not, it's not a great thing. Okay, it's fair. Not good in my opinion. I mean, you should never like. This, this isn't a gotcha game. Like, like right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't just be better than you because I have better units type situation. Fair. Scott's played a lot of gotcha in his life, guys. I promise. Yes. Um. So now there, you know, there will be singles dealers on hand. Uh, I'm sure PBG is very much stocked. Uh, I know they put their buy list out like a week ago, so I'm sure they're doing their very best to be as prepared as possible. Um, but yeah, I, I have to agree. It does feel that if it is difficult, if it is over the normal and budget, um, all of those things are a bit worrisome in particular about the current metagame. But like, is it fair to say that you should never prepare for that? Like you should be preparing for everyone to have the best deck, right? Oh yeah, sure. Sure. Uh, so while it's possible that the, your opponent you're playing against doesn't have four Maleficence or doesn't have four prepared or whatever the, you know, whatever the obligatory thing is, is like you should always prepare for the worst sure. and plan for your opponents to just have the best cards. Sure. Uh, so I, I wouldn't, I, I personally would not be factoring that into whatever deck I'm deciding to play. If I had the option of everything. Yes. Again, if yeah. you're not one, of, if you're not one of the players that doesn't have a chance, yeah. Right. But yeah, I don't know. Um, all in all, anything left to talk about for PPG? No, I hope it's a good time. So from my point of view, uh, just so we all know, it is starting at 12 p.m. EST, 10 a.m. Mountain Time. Uh, that is correct, right? Denver's Mountain Time? I think, I think so, yeah. So yeah. we will be live. It should be, most, it should be the most mountain city there is, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's Mile High City. So... Uh, we will be live at 12 p.m., maybe a little early. I don't know. If you're not following us on socials, we'll definitely be pushing it uh, everywhere possible. You'll see it on here. You'll see it on Twitch. You will definitely be able to find the event, and you'll be able to find myself and Scott attached to it, along with our good friend Vin, who did – he has a, a couple videos on the channel now. Uh, he is the husband to Jackie uh, from the Women's in Gaming video from last week. Two weeks ago i don't know anymore but yeah so if you're looking forward to it hit that subscribe on this one because we will be going live for it and we'll be covering it at Lausium. i will have all the deck lists from the top eight unlike our last 1k where we still haven't seen some of the top eight deck lists so we will have all of the deck lists from top eight uh we'll have a full meta report we do we know for a fact that we will have a guy on the ground our guy on the ground is george machado he said he will be feeding us deck lists he will be feeding us meta reports so we will be keeping us up to date on all the information for PPG. All right? Yep, looking forward to it. Again, Scott, I, and Vince will be covering and commentating all day long for PPG Denver. We are looking forward to the opportunity of working with Properly Games. It's been a fun ride already. And don't forget, 12 p.m. EST, 10 a.m. Mountain Time, we will be here live on the channel, on Twitch, covering everything you need to know about PPG Denver. See you guys tomorrow.